0: The cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the The Green Peak. Peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. Let's make that climb together up the The Green Peak. Peak with your host, Richard Zwicky.
1: Today on The Green Peak, we're joined by Stefan Meyer, who is the, originally the founder and president of Phytoplant Research, and probably one of the longest and most storied uh, histories in the industry with perspective across multiple continents and uh, areas of the industry and facets. It's been amazing getting to know Stefan over the last couple of years, and I know every single conversation I have with him, I walk away enriched from what I learned. Sometimes it's about champagne, but usually it's about cannabis.
2: Thank you, Richard.
1: <laughs> so, you know, one of the things that uh, we've been actually talking about the last few days here, uh, Stefan, where Stefan's joined us at the Plano office this week, and we've been going over a lot of aspects on the uh, path to market. And one of the things that keeps coming up is EU GMP and myths, and the way firms are throwing around the term like GMP compliant and EU GMP compliant,
2: People get confused. What does it mean? So definitely it's a quality standard and it's a quality standard required to export and sell uh, medicinal grade products in the European Union. GMP is actually uh, uh, good manufacturing practices. So it's uh, a world standard. And uh, in uh, in North America, you are referring to the standards of uh, FDA, which are also uh, more and more harmonized between uh, Europe and North America because this way there can be a more great access to medicinal products. Um, in general, it's been a little bit uh, strange to understand why cannabis was not falling from the very beginning under GMP. For example, the great program you have here in Canada, which allows licensed producers to produce and sell and distribute uh, definitely product, cannabis products, uh, does not require GMP. Yet, uh, to be able to export, as the LPs from Canada had to experience, um, to Europe, they definitely need a European GMP certification. This is uh, not easy to obtain, and it requires also that uh, an inspector from any of the countries of uh, the European Union visits your facility and inspects it and uh, gives you a GMP certificate. Uh, Companies are now using the word GMP or trying to pretend that they have the GMP certification because that helps them sell, but uh, not so many of them really have that uh, certificate in-house. So that's why they cosmetically use uh, whatever word to say that they comply in terms of internal procedures, but they don't have that certificate, which is really a game changer.
1: It's about as meaningful as declaring yourself a high-functioning genius.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay uh, I, I guess there is a parallel there yes uh, um, but uh, and being a genius is a different story yeah. yes
1: but yes. you know compliant compliant really means nothing when I see it in press releases other documents like cringe because it just means you haven't really done the homework but you want to pretend you're there but then I also see people talking about I have people coming up to me and saying their grow
2: rooms are EU GMP compliant what are they talking about? So uh, definitely there's been uh, a lot of uh, uh, development around the concept that a flower can be GMP. In uh, Europe, uh, one of the leading uh, companies uh, was uh, a Dutch company from the Netherlands called uh, Bedrocan. Um, and basically what they tried to uh, achieve was that the entire production process in terms of producing a flower is uh, done under GMP standards. Uh, The problem sometimes is that a biological process is not just like a pharma process where you do a chemical reaction and in two hours you have your final product and you identify any residues. It's a 10 to 12 week process with a lot of variables that can influence the biology of the plant and uh, each variety then has hundreds of molecules besides the active principles. But uh, through the herbal medicinal products, uh, GMP, um, so the manufacturing of herbal medicinal products under European GMP, there is the possibility to um, certify that, and that's what they were able to achieve. It means that the product is also consistent in terms of the uh, content of active principles, which are important to patients. But it's also definitely clear that between an aspirin and a flower, there is a difference conceptually, right? Absolutely. And then GACP is a term which a lot don't really use, but is incredibly meaningful. Absolutely. Under the European GMP uh, requirements for manufacturing a herbal medicinal product, that is Annex 7, actually, um, GACP is required, and that stands for Good Agricultural and Collectible Practices, uh, is required for uh, the raw material. So um, when you're cultivating a plant, which is then dried to become the raw material for an extraction process, that should be done under the GACP um, guidelines or following the GACP guidelines of the World Health Organization. The problem we have there is that for cannabis, we don't have a specific uh, certification program defined. And so it's a little bit difficult uh, to understand who should certify you. One of the leading uh, companies in the world doing that is Control Union, and um, actually Plena works uh, yep. with Control Union.
1: We do, and it's a it's a necessary step because one of the things about certifications is there really is a lack of proper certifications in the cannabis industry, and I you know one other term that people throw around a lot is organic, but ha- there is no real organic certification. Yes, what, what you
2: can certify are your processes, where you can show that your 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 facility uh, materials you're using are organic certified, that you are not adding any um, artificial or, or, or whatever non-organic uh, processes to the entire um, uh, production cycle, uh, but there is not a specific certification program for uh, organic cannabis, especially if it's medicinal. You know, and it's funny how people throw around these terms,
1: compliant and other things, trying to obfuscate really their state because you know, in a personal relationship, if I lie to you, I have no credibility left. And if I give you half the information, you wonder what else is missing. Mm -hmm. And it's so much better for a company or a firm or anything else to say they're standards-based. Absolutely. And here's our standards and documentation. And explain it than it is to make crazy claims. I know I've spoken to so many investors and investment banks and houses who have come back to me saying, you know, I understand this, and it's amazing how many other companies walk through and make these claims. And as soon as they walk in and say they're GMP compliant and they can't define exactly how they got it, or they say, I got I'm GMP certified in Colombia and I know there's no certifying authority in Colombia they lose all credibility and chance of raising capital Absolutely. and entrepreneurs, you know, we all get excited because we think that what we have in our hand is the greatest, best thing ever. The reality is it could be better than everybody else's with a lot of work, but at the end of the day, it still is going to be judged just like everybody else. There's standards, there's practices and there's credibility. Absolutely. And I, I think where people fall down this pit is, really leading a lot of companies into a
2: dead end, where you get stuck with uh, the story. I think there's also been a lot of data coming out of uh, emerging markets, for example, from California. I look uh, carefully what uh, happens over there. I consider it extremely interesting. And uh, when they introduced quality standards, they also found that some of the organic uh, growers Mm -hmm. were having issues with uh, microbiology contaminations just because they were using, for example, compost tea, and they were not really giving it at uh, root level so with the wind and everything that uh, can can uh, can have fecal actually Mm -hmm. uh, contaminations on your flowers so even if it is organic not necessarily natural always means safe Uh, there are medicinal plants which you have to take very carefully because their lethal dosage is very uh, uh, small. No, uh, and for- Fortunately, not the case with cannabis. But um, natural is not a synonym of uh, necessarily healthy all the time, though at Plena we try to be as natural as possible in our production processes and uh, use uh, sustainable solutions. Yeah, mercury is natural and
1: isn't healthy either. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> we all, we're all exposed <laughs> to things every day we shouldn't be. But fortunately, you know, in this industry, we have the possibility, the systems to control uh, what we're looking at and doing. So with that, we're gonna go to break for a a minute and then come back and discuss more about not just the GMP paths, but also what's coming up in the industry. So join me today, Stefan Meyer on The Green Peak.
0: The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors.
2: That cancer is preventable.
0: The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. the business of cannabis should be no crime not think is even hot proved by the man who run high times Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today Marijuana Llama out Got to tend to me on crap you know Money don't make itself natural substances produce the results that cbd is producing in the animals that we are testing on
2: it's a dog's life with angela ardellino only on cannabis radio
0: climbing our way up 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 to the cannabis summit of success cannabis radio is back with more of the green
1: peak all right Coming back with Stefan Meyer today on the Green Peak. So Stefan, you know, compliance standards, all of that are, they're great terms. But before we get there, it's, we're, you know, this industry is evolving incredibly rapidly and it's uh, it's probably the only industry I think that's existed where there's been a massive industry operating that's being legalized. In, uh, in the speed at which it is. I mean, uh, some could say prohibition at the end of it did something similar and it probably did, but with today's technology and globalization, it's faster than anything else would have ever affected. But also what's happening is we used to talk about this even two years ago as an industry. There was a medical industry and everything else was still in the black market. Whereas today in some markets we've got medical and we have rec or adult use and we can see wellness coming and entrepreneurs who are entering the market have to make choices. And, you know, some companies are trying to service all aspects. That's not going to be possible for very long. Um, you can't do it all well. Where, um, where do you see that breaking in terms of some of the larger producers that are already in the market and the ones who really want to service the industry Is there a way for them to focus into an area that makes it possible for
2: them to succeed across the entire uh, supply chain? So this is a complex uh, question. Thank you for it. Uh, The first thing I would say is that while certainly there are many countries opening up to cannabis and also understanding the opportunity, uh, I I guess... um, We are still under international law regulated by very old convention and treaties. So there is the 1961 Convention of Narcotic Drugs signed in New York in 61, which is still being implemented. The the watchdog is in Austria, Vienna, the International Narcotic Control Board. And uh, those also will need to be updated as soon as possible because they will otherwise um, limit the ability of countries to, to... to do business with each other, while on the other side we know that uh, there is already paths for doing that. That's why there is a um, the largest producer of uh, um, opiates in, or the second largest producer of opiates in the world is in Spain, um, um, and it exports uh, mainly to, to to North America. No? So it is possible. Opiates are controlled substances, just like uh, cannabis extracts and. Uh, um, cannabinoids like THC right um, on the other side I, I fully agree that, it, that we are opening up and we're opening up also to wellness which is not necessarily the GMP pharma standard we were mentioning before That that makes sense also because not necessarily we are consuming tomatoes or carrots which are GMP mm-hmm. and uh, and so depending on who is the consumer we might be able to that quality which might be able we certainly also influence the final price of products. Definitely if a patient has a weak immune system, we have to guarantee the highest quality. Uh, and that's why I still believe uh, there will be a GMP and medical market. From there on, I think uh, what's currently happening is that countries are developing more within themselves, uh, so within the borders. Uh, in the in the states it's also interesting between the state oh, itself. It's incredible. And you cannot even um, export between the states, no? Or trade better said between states so this and this is going to change i believe it's going to change for one simple reason we are now discovering the benefits of cannabinoids or even better uh, the benefits of targeting the endocannabinoid system which not only humans have it's a very old system uh, we're talking about 600 million years ago the first uh, living creatures or living organisms that had uh, endocannabinoid system it's extended to all mammals but also there is a, a other uh, type of life forms which have endocannabinoids, they are not necessarily primarily for survival, and that's why you don't, don't die for it, from it. But it's also very important that uh, to understand that this is not just about surviving on a daily basis. It's about quality of life. And in that, the endocannabinoid system has been proven scientifically to uh, regulate the homeostasis, which is basically the inner balance, if you look at it from a biological perspective. So now that we know this is being affected, I really think there will be a market, and just like any other market, uh, we will need to industrialize production, and we will need to start to have quantities which are available to large uh, parts of the population, and not just a few affectionados, if you allow. No, exactly, and I think, you know, it's
1: funny you touch on that, the endogenous cannabinoid system, and the fact that it exists in all mammals and many other animals, something that people are largely ignorant of, and, how it gets applied and affected. I always tell people about, we had a dog here in the office uh, that one of our staff had, Dinah, and that dog is somewhere between 16 and 17 years old now and only stopped running in the last few months. It's a large dog, not a small dog, and usually the lifespan is about 10 or 11 years. It's almost been the fountain of life for that dog to be having CBD, surviving multiple cancer surgeries, and living out in a absolutely a state that others
2: don't expect. I experienced that many times in my life with many different animals, and the uh, and the truth is it's really effective with very little side effects. Yeah. So so that really brings a smile on everybody's face. No? It does. <laughs> so but you know, your history with that,
1: um, you were early in and early into understanding or looking at CBD. And everybody, of course, knows you know the, the effects of THC. What comes next? But tell us a bit about that evolution in CBD and how you saw the market develop as quickly as it did.
2: Absolutely. I was involved uh, with a good friend of mine from uh, Israel. He's actually um, the producer of a very nice documentary. I suggest you Google that up. Uh, um, Zach Klein from the scientist uh, is a documentary on Meshulam and uh, and, and how THC was discovered and the endocannabinoid system but basically uh, I was involved with Zach in uh, 2008 um, in a a breeding program in Israel where um, we were able to um, achieve or or better said uh, breed some uh, uh, CBD varieties which became very popular one of them is Avidekel, for example Um, That uh, certainly made me understand at that early stage um, that it is uh, really interesting to offer CBD varieties to patients. Um, It has been extremely interesting to see how fast nowadays uh, innovation can spread because it was um, very early stages uh, in Spain and in California and Canada all evolving almost at the same time. Um, And with great interest and uh, a lot of uh, patients that were not feeling comfortable with THC dominant varieties um, were now finding something that really uh, was also less psychoactive and less Uh, affecting their uh, efficiency for example if they had to work during the day Mm -hmm. um, they would still have that nice uh, relief of pain or uh, inflammation or whatever was affecting them but they were also keeping very high level of efficiencies and that was certainly very interesting what's coming next in terms of cannabinoids there's a lot of debate I would say I was convinced uh, it would be CBG, also because it's the precursor in the biochemistry of the plant. So Mm -hmm. CBG is actually converted in either THC or CBD. Um, There is other uh, friends and respected researchers I have that uh, would bet on THCV. Mm -hmm. Um, Apparently, it also has some interesting properties in uh, reducing your appetite, so it could be uh, used as. Potentially um, for for diabetes, sorry for obesity, and uh, maybe also for addiction. So there is also some animal models where it's showing that it can reduce addiction in in uh, in uh, animals that have been. Uh, through those models so THCV, CB, uh, CBG, um, there is the entire V-series, uh, CBDV, V-series exactly. is huge. Uh, absolutely, um, the truth is I think uh, right now with so much investment and so much, so many different companies working on it, uh, we will have a little bit of everything at the same time uh, so uh, things are moving in parallel. I must say when I started and I founded Phytoplant in Spain in 2008 it was just a few people on the picture and on the radar, uh, a few researchers in the world having a license. Mm-hmm. And now it's just a widespread. And every, almost I would say, every month there is a new country. Yeah. And every day there is a new license. So I expect that things to accelerate. And I think it will accelerate, but we're also seeing
1: changes in how licenses are issued. Where, you know, here in Canada, it used to be you'd apply, you get a license to build and you'd know that if you built to standard you then would go through the certification process and eventually get your license whereas today in canada but in other countries as well you have to invest all the capital capital to build the facility to be able to apply for the license and that's going to be a huge barrier to entry for a lot of entrepreneurs um where do you see those entrepreneurs going if they're not going to be producing canvas what's the next You know they won't be producing, but they'll be doing research. They'll be doing supporting industries. What do you
2: see as a big gap that people are not filling? I'm sure there is a lot to do still in formulation. Um, Cannabinoids are hydrophobic, so they don't dissolve in water. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot has been done already in Canada. I would say is a leader in the world right now. Um, For example, on on the beverages and edibles, uh, definitely also some states in the United States have. Uh, invested a lot of money in research and we have now uh, many solutions how to make cannabinoids water soluble mm-hmm. uh, so you could start to uh, th- take them or, or have them bioavailable in your blood um, by, by having a drink and it doesn't need to be a smoke and it doesn't need to be mm-hmm. uh, a vape pen or a vaporizer and there is also also all those uh, current um, fears about inhalation I believe it's always a matter of quality. You can have poor quality in a vape pen as you can have poor quality in a drink. Yeah. So it's, what is important is to have quality control and then we won't have any surprises. But um, I think a lot of people will uh, uh, be, become more interested in cannabinoids if we change uh, the way they they consume them or if we change the, the times for the onset uh, and, and, and the type of uh, effects they have from consuming this kind of products.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. And it's, I look at it in terms of water soluble to me. I understand why people talk about it so much, but sometimes I think people are trying to go too far in terms of perfecting it. And uh, I look at it in terms of, I compare it to kombucha. i buy kombucha all the time and I always shake it up and drink it and it's got stuff floating all over the place, but I know that's good. You know, in part that's the quality (laughs) I'm looking for. Yes. I don't care if I'm, you know, <laughs> if I'm trying to have a CBD or a cannabis infused drink, I want to know it's there and absolutely. not just have this mystery thing in there, which is transparent oh, as clear as water. Business. So when we come back from the break, uh, which we're going to have to take now, um, I want to come into a bit about what's going to make a uh, company stand out and where the, you know, what are things that are happening that are different in the market and growing, you know, growing in the North doesn't always make sense, even though that's where the industry has evolved economically to start and back after the break with more for with Stefan Meyer
0: the green peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors
2: elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of Shuggies add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee ah
0: Executives and companies in the cannabis industry. Plant profits only on cannabisradio.com. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. 000- garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Climbing our way up, up, up to the cannabis summit of success. Cannabis radio is back with
1: more of the green peak. All right. And back now with Stefan Meyer on the green peak and you know, Stefan, when we look at this, this industry, and I had the fortune of having dinner with Brent Saddle from Canamed, who you know was almost the, one of the grandfathers of the industry by now. Uh, we had dinner on Friday, and you know he went through a lot that we don't have to anymore. But when you look at what's happened in Canada, it costs five hundred dollars a square foot to build a minimum viable facility that meets Health Canada standards for medical and. In other areas, they don't have to build facilities to the same standards, but they also have different opportunities. In Canada, you know, Brent's from Saskatoon and there, whether it's minus 45 in the middle of winter, they still have to run HVAC systems to cool the facility down because it gets overheated by all the lights. Um, you know, what's going to make a company stand out and how's the world production market going to shift over the next couple of years? And what does that mean for medical and wellness and the rec industries?
2: I, I think this is a million-dollar question. Uh, what is for sure is that in general, when we... In- I, actually, I'll interrupt
1: you. In this industry, we don't talk about millions. It's so all billions. Billions.
2: <laughs> Good point there. So let's raise it to a billion-dollar question. Um, I think in general, when you industrialize any production, you go and look for the most efficient uh, locations and um, conditions for that to be industrialized and really upscale it at full efficiency. I honestly believe, and it's one of the reasons I'm uh, proud to be a part of Plena, that uh, growing on the equator is part of those uh, optimal conditions. You don't get a season per year. You get uh, several seasons because you are always on the same hour of sunlight and same light intensity. Um, so that that's one of the, of, of the parts which I think is going to be a game changer. If you can grow very large uh, um, surfaces, and I'm talking really hundreds of thousands of acres, um, it's completely different than being in an indoor room or in an artificial environment. That doesn't mean that there is no future for that uh, method or way of producing. For sure, uh, quality and also regulatory issues of being able to import and export uh, will make it that there's always craft growers or there is an indoor production. Um, But I think uh, especially for wellness, and especially if uh, we can have regulatory frameworks that uh, finally allow us to have access to cannabinoids in a more easy and still safe uh, way, uh, then upscaling will be the real challenge. And doing it in a country such as Colombia or Peru is uh, really much more efficient uh, in terms of cycles per year, but also in terms of um, the quality of the final product, which is immense, I always often Ask uh, to our customers how much of the uh, coffee they drink uh, of Starbucks is grown in Seattle, mm-hmm. and I guess we all know the answer.
1: We do, and you know the the question of quality with people comes up often because they people used to deride outdoor growers. Well, you can't grow to standard in the outdoor, but you know when you're producing a medical qual- uh, calibre product and p- producing APIs, is it where it's grown? or is it how it's processed, how it's handled? And does that bring us back to the whole discussion of GACP,
2: GMP standards and compliance? I guess it's a good combination of both, uh, but definitely you need good uh, light intensity to grow nice and productive plants. Mm -hmm. So if you can have an efficient, Production method for your raw material. You already start at a cost price, which is more efficient. And then, obviously, if you have world-class engineers and uh, specialists in this sector, which can fly to those areas yep. and bring the best knowledge to process the material uh, with the highest quality standards, and then really get GMP EU GMP approved, then you really have a solution which is bulletproof because you're having access to raw material which is of high quality, but also very uh, good uh, production costs, and then you're also processing it in a way which allows you to basically be a global exporter. Yeah, and what attracted us to
1: uh, Colombia and Peru is really the fact that we can produce high quality medical, but we can produce medical at prices and availability that could service any market. Right. And that means every market gets the highest quality possible. Absolutely. You know, and that that's something which an entrepreneur starting off and looking at breaking into this industry or has a novel idea of something they want to tackle. Which is easier? Going into the rec space or the medical space in terms of barriers to entry? And you know, where's that
2: which has an easier brass ring to attain? So for now, when it comes to controlled substances, so THC rich products. Mm -hmm. The international treaties uh, limit the export between countries only to medical. So there needs to be a medical reason or scientific or research, but then it cannot be commercialized Mm -hmm. in order for you to apply and obtain an import permit to another country for a controlled substance. So then it's an easy question, uh, easy easy answer, sorry, because it has to be 100% only for medical. Where I see opportunities is that more and more countries are uh, lowering. The or oh, yeah, increasing the the limits of THC um, content that will uh, allow you to commercialize the product without being a controlled substance. In Colombia, Switzerland, Uruguay, the limit has been set to one percent THC. Right. So the more we we will have product that can be. Uh, traded without being considered a controlled substance, and pure CBD is or you know, isolate of CBD is a good example, which is because it's not listed on those treaties. The more we will open up really to a global exchange, but that really doesn't mean that there is not a demand now for um, raw extract or narcotic raw materials uh, that can be supplied to companies, for example, that process it in, in Europe uh, because they are GMP certified. So. Quickly before we have to end
1: today, um, learning is an ongoing process. What are the two best conferences you think for anybody interested in the industry to attend to learn about as much of the industry as possible, not just one area? Yes,
2: I I can show the ones that I consider the best in terms of uh, providing information of medicinal cannabis. One is a North American based and it's called ICRS. And the other one is based in Germany. And uh, actually, we, it just uh, I was just attending it, uh, and it's in, uh, it was in Berlin, and it's the International Association for Cannabinoid Medicines. Um, you can look it up on, uh, on, uh, on Google. Um, they, their domain is cannabinoidconference.org. Um, very interesting, many interesting uh, networking opportunities because you have some of the best researchers in the world and some of the most uh, serious companies in the world. And uh, we are all trying to understand what's the next step, or what's going to come next. I think it's very important also that uh, this might be very technical for patients that do not understand the endocannabinoid system now in great detail. But it's also a great source of quality information. I think there is too much uh, information out there which is just uh, biased and uh, definitely not scientific. Uh, while these uh, conferences I mentioned uh, do a great job in selecting and really monitoring uh, the information that is being spread. Fantastic. And on that, we have to end today, but
1: uh, you know, thank you. Thank you for joining us on the show today. I uh, I'll say that Stefan is my favorite Swiss collaborator <laughs> inside Plena. And uh, I learned tremendous amounts from him every single day and is uh domain, experience, and industry knowledge is unparalleled. And uh, if you have follow-on questions, please feel free to email us. I know uh, we always get inquiries about different pieces of information and happy to answer them. And we'll bring back Stefan another day, maybe in follow-up to a lot of those questions and make a show just dedicated around that. Thank you for joining the Green Peak today. I'm Richard Zwicky, and I'm here with Stefan
2: Meyer. Thank you so much. It's been a great opportunity. I look forward uh, to come back soon.
1: Look forward to it.